Blog Talk Radio. I want to start off with a quote, and some people this might be right on time. However long the night, the dawn will break. Again, however long the night, the dawn will break. That is an African proverb, which is at the core of the book, Love Pour Over Me. Welcome to Off the Shelf. It's January the 21st, 2017. It's a rainy Saturday here in Atlanta, and it's just we are living with a lot of changes, which is a good thing. We, 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 we struggle with change, but one way or the other, it's coming, right? And generally every day, but sometimes it seems like it comes in these huge swells, the way a storm collects and seems to come uh, in a swell. We can deal with it when it's small, but when it's large, we sometimes have trouble. So remember again, however long the night, the dawn will break, whether you're going through a change in your personal life or you're experiencing more of a change on a larger scale, just just remember that. And so to our off-the-shelf listeners this morning, we have an awesome author on deck for you. I've been busy spreading the word about her interview this week, as I do with each of our guests before and after the show, I just always hope that our guests do the same uh, because this also benefits them and they spread the word and say, call in, call in to Off the Shelf to their friends and their supporters. To our Off the Shelf listeners, I want to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you one of those people who you watch a movie uh, you you watch you keeping up with a show on the internet because there's so there, there are more and more shows streaming. It's almost becoming where the internet has taken over the spot television or is taking over the spot television used to have the same way television took over what radio used to do. Radio's still here, but it's nowhere near as big as it was in the 1920s. And then looks like social media taking on. Anyway, you watch, you're following the show. You're following whether it is a soap opera or somebody's taking their book and they've turned it into a story on the Internet and not waiting for somebody else to come and do that for them. They're taking the reins and doing that for themselves. And every episode you watch, you find yourself trying to figure out what's going to happen before it's revealed on the show, before it comes out through the characters. Are you one of those mystery sleuths? If somebody gets in trouble or something wrong happens, you want to figure out who did it before it's revealed. If you have that in you, you are going to love Love for Over Me. There is a murder mystery tucked in Love for Over Me, which is a book at its core back to the the uh, African proverb, however long the night, the dawn will break. That is at the core of Love for Over Me as you watch a son and a father and their complicated relationship and how it impacts the son and his relationship with his Brenda, who is his soulmate. And Raymond is very, very gifted if you value relationships. And I'm I'm talking complicated, not on the surface, but complicated relationships that a story as you read it, you may find yourself becoming enlightened about your own relationships and yourself or going through change yourself but you will you will walk away when you put love for over me down knowing however long the night the dawn will break and it's an ebook and print format you can get a copy at Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Amazon of course 
just anywhere books are sold. If you don't see it on the shelf, just go up to the clerk and tell them you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. And now I am go I am going to go and connect to our special guest today. And after I connect her, I'm going to introduce her to you, and then we're going to go right into our questions because I never get through all the questions. I, I do research for every show. I put in my homework. And I never get through to all the questions. The show goes so fast. So let us go and greet our guests for this morning. Tabitha? Hello. Hello, good morning, and welcome to Off the Shelf. You are actually on live uh, uh, because we've been on the air now for about five minutes. Um, so I just wanted you to know, so it's not just you and me chatting. There, are, We also have listeners tuned in to the show. So okay. uh I want I wanted to go and connect with Tabitha to our for our guests. And now I want to introduce you to Tabitha. Some of you probably already know of her if you've read her books and to many of our off the shelf listeners, this is going to be your introduction to this up and coming author who we are honored to have join our long list of We've had New York Times best-selling authors on here. Again, we've have we have authors who've gone. They have regularly appeared on CNN. I was. Uh, we've had authors on who on TV One who had their own TV shows. So Tabitha's joining that long list of of great writers we've had on off the shelf as we head into our thirteenth year on the air. So our special guest this morning is Tabitha Mathis. And it's M-A-T-H-I-S for the Googlers and the Bingers and anybody who likes to go on the social media, Internet, and look up more about the guests even as we do the interview. This Miami, Florida, it's rainy here in Atlanta. She's in a wonderful area where there's lots of beaches and sun. But this Miami, Florida native, she's authored nine novels, nine, you guys, four which are children's books. Now, Tabitha's first book is an adult novel, and it's titled The Betrayal of a Man. Definitely want to dig into that one. And her children's books are The Princess and the Tiger, and that's spelled T-Y-G-E-R, The Princess and the Tiger, and the Five Beautiful Angels book series. Last year, 2016, Tabitha launched Chocolate Candy Promotion Corp. And this organization offers workshops and seminars that address important real-life topics like domestic violence, bullying, teenage parenting, and single parenting. And we really appreciate her efforts in, 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 that, in that way because who knows how many people, children and adults, she's really going to help through her work through Chocolate Candy Promotions Court. And you can check Tabitha out on, online at TTP. It's not the www, and it's TabithaArthur.com. T A B B is in boy, I T H A T H E A U T H O R. And again, I'll spell it T A B I T H A T H E A U T H O R. Tabitha the author dot com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Tabitha. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, and you, you know what? I, I do. I, I'll research couple of shows uh in advance and i said oh my goodness it's really the work that you're doing through that chocolate candy corp is amazing so thank you for that this is a question that i ask every single guest 
like the first two questions. And it's always interesting to see how they answer. But I, I ask this question because I want to give our listeners a little backstory on our guests before we launch into the show. So before we begin, I wanted to ask you, can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners, Tabitha, what it was like growing up in Miami, Florida for you? What's it like in Miami, and what was it like for you when you were a kid growing up there? Okay, um, when I was a kid growing up here, they showed a lot of love. Um, basically, like the older generation, they was very strict on everyone. They wanted they wanted to see you make it. You know, they they, they push you to the next level, and they taught us a lot of stuff about our history and um, the history of Miami and stuff like that. I mean, it's just it's like a lot of love. Okay, and so are you an only child? Or are you? You have other siblings. I have other siblings. No, I have other siblings. I'm the first girl. It's my brother's the oldest, and I'm the first girl. And then it's two more after me. And my sister, she's an author also. Also, can you tell us what her name is? Her name is Author Georgina Mathis. Okay, okay. Two authors in the family. So the the, the two of you are the are you the only ones, or there's Sometimes you find in families, in my family, there are people who love jazz. I have a, a a great cousin who played in Duke Ellington's band, and I love jazz. And my grandfather says, you got that honest. But you'll find in family some people are painters and you got generations of that. Did it start with you and your sister or your parents? Were they also my involved mom. in the uh, It was my mom. Oh, yeah. My mom, she loves to write poetry. And she expressed her feelings through poetry, and that's where I picked up the poetry from, my mom. Um, I felt like sometime when I was sad, I ended up writing about it. And that's, it kind of, like, helped me get over my feelings or whatever. And also, I have kids, so I have five children. And writing basically took my mind off a lot of things. So I have a baby girl that she knew how to draw, and I'm trying to show her how to write and draw her pictures to her story. And then I, I, I taught school for 12 years. I, I substitute teach. And with the students, I try to show them how to write and be creative too. So it's like writing, you can express your feelings through writing a lot. And actually you'll get over it. And you, and you know, I agree with you 100% that writing is very therapeutic. Now you moved from Miami, Florida, where you said they taught you about history, very supportive. I know there's a large Hispanic population in Miami. I haven't been to Miami. My baby brother's in Orlando, but when I rented a car to go to Tennessee, a guy had just come up from Miami. He said, you almost need to be bilingual to live in live in Miami. But the weather, the communities, it's the people that make anywhere uh, a blessing to live. So you, But you moved to, I hope I'm saying it right, Cairo, Georgia, right after Hurricane Andrew hit. We know about Hurricane Katrina, which hit Louisiana, particularly New Orleans. But Hurricane Andrew, people might not remember how strong that hurricane was. How old were you, Tabitha, when your family relocated to Georgia, for those who don't know the history about the hurricane? And how different was it for you living in Georgia versus Miami, Florida? Okay. So I was in Hurricane Andrew in 1992. I was 14 years old, getting ready to go to the ninth grade, and I was so excited because, you know, just getting ready to go to high school. And the hurricane hit us, and we couldn't go to school for a whole month. We was out of power. We had to um, wow. learn how to cook on 
Uh, my mom got, like, the top of the grill, and she made, like, put some wood around. She used charcoal. We used to have to, like, make fires and eat that way. But the community, it was like everybody bought meat together, and we barbecued. That's how they, I mean, they, they was really good because I wouldn't know how to survive. But the older people, they, they got the meat together. They put the barbecue um, coals on, and we grilled. We had water. They made sure we had a lot of water and stuff. And then they had, like, um, I think uh, President Bush, the dad was the president then. He came down on a helicopter, and he gave out so many supplies. Um, after that happened, my mom said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to move. She wanted to relocate. Cairo, Georgia was a good town, but it was, like, very country there. So I'm, had to, uh, I had to adjust from the city life into the country life. <laughs> and it was like okay. um, people picked on me in Georgia because I was oh. new. Yeah, they did. And I I was called names sometimes. Like my neighbors, they was um, Caucasian. They called me bad names. And I guess because I was like the darkest one in my family. And it ended up um, the same per the man that I lived for for year lived by for for years. I ended up having to cook for him and feed him. And, I mean, we we became friends, and we talked it over, and he, he explained that it was like a family tradition that he called us names, like our color names and stuff. I, so, I got you, yeah. Yeah, but yep. he apologized and everything, so I forgave him. And from there, like, I moved from Cairo, Georgia, in 2006. But when I, I moved to Albany, Georgia, it's another part of Georgia, to Atlanta. Um, and that's where I became a, a author. I just said, okay. okay. Uh, what happened was I was working at a military base in Albany, and someone broke into my house. And it's kind of mm. like I got discouraged, and I'm like, okay, my kid's here. And I used to have to leave the kids because I didn't have a babysitter, and it was kind of like dangerous that way. So I ended up quitting my job, and I just started writing for a living. Wow. And, Look at you. Yeah. Oh and when I, I stayed in Albany until 2013. Um, the reason why I just moved, because I moved from there because my mom ended up passing in 2012 of October. And it's like that's the last place she stayed is with me. So I just wanted oh. to relocate closer to family. Yeah. Um, my mom had four strokes. And I can't, when I moved back here, I mean, it was so much help. Everybody, they showed me so much love and Actually, it's the Cubans and Puerto Ricans that was showing me how to go about doing my own corporation and, you know, trying to benefit. Because believe me, they stick together and they, they, they push and they make it. So I was like, okay, so they put me on the right track and I'm just going to push forward. I'm not letting nothing stop me because I was in a verbal abusive relationship. And I don't know which one hurts, worse or physical or verbal, but... Verbal abuse can really bring you down. Yes, so that's why I want to yes. uplift women. Right. Yeah. And I thank you again for the work that you do. Now, we're going to start talking about your writing. You, 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 and I appreciate the background you share with our off-the-shelf listeners, but you, okay. Miami is very different. Florida, period, is different from Georgia, even though they're right, they're neighbor states. But how has live, living in two different regions where the culture is so vastly different. How has that helped you as a writer? Because you've seen, you've seen people from different backgrounds. You've seen enough to see what can make people distinct or different. And mm-hmm. then you've also seen what, what, regardless of age, ethnicity, culture, what makes us all the same. How has living in these two different regions helped you as a writer? 
okay, I've had a lot of support because I went to Kara High School when I was in Georgia, and they were so supportive because I, I wrote a book, and they, you know, they just pushed me the newspapers. They pushed it. Um, here, the same thing, I have a lot of support here because I grew up here, and I'm friendly. I Like, I speak to everybody, and no matter where I go, I just speak to everybody, you know? So everybody reach out to you, and I have so many friends on Bego, Facebook. I mean, I just meet so many people, and they just say they love my spirit. Um, Aww. With the, cult- <laughs> the culture background, I, I mean, I can get along with anybody. So it's like, like I said, I walk up to you, I speak to you, and maybe we hold a conversation, maybe we don't. Okay, okay. What did you dream of before before we uh, again? I'm uh, before we get into Betrayable Man, which I'm excited to jump into soon. What did you dream of becoming Tabitha when you were a little girl? You, you've had a, quite the journey. When you were a kid, what did you say when you were maybe seven, eight? This is what I want to be when I become an adult. Okay, so I had my vision then was I want to be a teacher. I wanted to. I love oh. people. I love kids, and I pushed my journey towards teaching. I took classes and all that, but I didn't have enough um, money to finish paying for my classes. So when I moved here in 2013, the teacher's promise loan opened up, but I was already in Florida, so I couldn't get it. So I kind of laid it to the side. I only had six classes to graduate. So really my passion is acting, teaching, writing. Um, I I do that all the time. I just did a movie, too, down here. Um, Last Monday, it's called Bound of Two. I was inside of a movie. And then I'm supposed to be going on a Bravo station next month. Um, They haven't given me a date yet. What's the name of it? You said it's called Bound of Two, or what's it called? Bound of Two, like a band. It's Bound of Two. Um, they still oh, work on some, um, yeah, so, um, a casting agency from California came down to Miami, and I was chosen with some other guests, some other people, yeah. Oh. So I it, it was nice. You, now, you are, you definitely going forward, you have five kids, so you're going to inspire somebody, because I was just reading, like, on a book I want to get about self-deception, how we tell ourselves lies. And we believe our own mm-hmm. lies, and we end up stopping ourselves. Then we look back at 80 or 90 years old, and we're like, I didn't do so much that I knew I wanted to do because we keep lying to ourselves. And one of the lies that women might tell themselves is, it'd be easier if I was a man or I, I have kids, so I can't do it. So I, you're, you're an inspiration that you're not letting that stop you. But going back to you being a teacher, one of the harder things, and I, this is something as a writer myself, I try my best, and I thank, thank the good Lord I'm pretty good at it, doing this, not editing as I write, but I still do it some. You were a substitute teacher. Do you find yourself tempted as you're working on a story? Because you've got to get the story down first. You can go back and edit it later. If you edit it while you write it, you might not have as good of a story. But do you ever find yourself taking that teacher part and editing as you're trying to get the, the first draft written? Yes, I do that a lot. I always go back and I either when I'm editing, I either add more or take something out. Um, if it don't fit, I take it out too. I take it out of the story. So Good for I you. find that a lot. Yes. But but do you do it while you're actually creating that very first draft? I have a friend who tell, told me she can't 
She said she's tried to stop that. It makes it take that much longer. And if you don't enjoy writing that first draft because you keep saying, oh, that's wrong. No, that's not good. No, that's not. And you don't get the story down in, in its fullness because you're editing it as you go. Do you wait until you get that first draft down then go back and start editing? Or are you doing it actually as you're writing the first, the very first draft of a story? Sometimes I do it as I'm writing, but a lot of times I just keep writing because everything keeps flowing to me, so I just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. Then I go back, and I read over it again. I read over it again. Then I add something in. Um, I just support in which story I'm writing and how good I want it to be. But sometimes I have writer's block. Sometimes I don't. I don't. I just go ahead and finish what, I'm, what I started. Like right now I'm writing a new book called Trap Between the Two of Them, and it's like I'm on Chapter 6, and I keep – I stop for a minute and I start back. I don't know if it's going to be like the longest chapter in this book. I don't, it's just so much I want to put in. Okay. Can you tell us, uh, this wasn't a question I was going to ask, but being that you said it, and I just like to follow the flow of the interview as well. For those who are struggling with writer's block, some people, some artists struggle to paint, to make music, and it's very painful. Very, very painful. Anybody who's ever been stuck in their life, you work in a job, you know you hate that job, but you can't get something else, and you feel stuck. You talked about relationships. Some people, you know the relationship is is violent, is dangerous, is not healthy, but you feel stuck because a part of you won't go forward. A part of you knows it's time to go. A part of you won't doesn't want to go forward, and there you are stuck. So uh, can can you tell us for writers who deal with writer's block, and it's, it's painful, the stories in them, something is blocking them from inside themselves from writing that story. What do you do, Tabitha? What works for you to get over writer's block so you can start writing again? Okay, so if you're going through writer's block, it's easily for you to, like, take deep breaths in, Try to free your free your mind a little bit. Get up and come back. Like maybe you have to get up for like twenty minutes from the table or wherever you're writing at. Get up and move around, and maybe get some fresh air. Go outside and come back in, and then try it again. Um, don't just let it. it as long as you sit there, it's gonna frustrate you. So you you got to get up and move yourself. Okay, as long as you sit there, it's gonna frustrate you. So that's that's some. A, a good tip, and thanks for sharing that. Now, and I've been promoting the, the, this book as I promote the, the show this week. Can you give our off-the-shelf listeners a brief synopsis or overview of your first novel, The Betrayal of a Man? Okay, so The Betrayal of a Man is about um, Taquasia. She met a guy named James, and he he was a good person, you know, he he was a very good person, and he just told her a bunch of lies. And it's like she she believed everything he told her until she seemed different. He actually was a married man, and she didn't know until like close to the end. She he stopped coming to see her, and like on holidays he didn't spend a lot of time with her. It's like so much he was doing, and it, it kind of like reminded her of you know her mom and their her dad relationship. So. Um, actually, the guy was married, and I'm giving away the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't give away the story. But okay, I. Be, so let me. You give us a brief synopsis. Don't, don't, don't give away the story, but a way to. You know how you yeah. you pick up a book and it's got a little synopsis on the back of it. It doesn't yeah. give you the story. It gives you enough to want to read it 
without giving away the whole story. So that I mean, yeah. just because he was a married I mean, man, it's a lot of a lot, a lot more, of, I'm sure to happen. Correct. It's a lot of um, men and women that that's been through it. So um, it's about love, loss, and betrayal. Um, basically, like I said, she's gonna find out that the guy is married, and you have to read on to see what the wife what what's gonna happen in the story. But that's basically okay, how, is love, loss, and betrayal. Tell us, describe to to Quasia, what is she like? Is she is she a career She's, woman? Is she is she young? How old is she? Does she have any children? Where is she from? What's her personality like and her background? Taquasia, she's a beautiful woman. She's young and she's vulnerable. Um, that the guy, I mean, she's she's attractive to guys. Guys love her, and it's like basically she's gonna fall in love with the wrong person. Um, she's humble. She has a humble spirit. She's understanding. She try to make things work. Is she naive? She she wasn't naive. I mean, not at first she wasn't naive. It's like because you know how you just think that's your man, so it's like you're not picking up on other signs. Well, yeah, she could be naive. I'm sorry. <laughs> she's not. She's but not she, picking up on the signs. Like, and how old is she, how old is she with, with the start of the, of the betrayal of a man? How old is the Quasia? She's very young. Like she's in high school. Oh my goodness! And then the guy was older, way much older. He was grown, but um, he he told her he was in high school also because of his size. The the mother she noticed that he's a grown man, but the daughter didn't know. She just believed the guy, and then they ended up um, dating over the period of time. And then once um, James went to jail, went to prison, and when he got out, they were supposed to get together and get married. And all that good stuff, but come to find out, you know, James is already married. So, so um, Taquasia is still living at home. I'm assuming she's like a senior when she met, in high school. So she doesn't. She's under sixteen, and they're having sex. That's illegal. But so right. she's 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 in high school. She's still living at home. Does she have any sisters who who would tell her, "Girl, what are you doing?" She had friends. The friends is is uh, one of the girls that she was hanging with went and told the mom that she's dating an older guy, and the other side of the mom she went to investigating and stuff like that and found out the guy was grown. The mama threatened the guy, but they still snuck and date. And then over the years, as Taquasia grew up, um, her and James kept in touch. And like I said, he went to prison for about some ten years. And when he got like um when he was close to getting out, he was supposed to marry her because they had been together for so long, and then at the end, like, I basically put don't, it where, Don't tell the story, and don't tell the story. Yeah. Don't tell the story, but it, <laughs> oh, my gosh, so Taquasia literally has put her life on hold. Right. Yeah, you know what? This is this is a topic I hope the right people who are supposed to hear this listen. It's odd. I started off the show however long the night the dawn will break, an African proverb which is in love for over me. It is really the core of of love for over me uh, that that quote, uh, and then going into how we get stuck, we get stuck. There's a part of us that knows, I know I should do this, and then another part's like, no, no, you shouldn't, and that's why I said I was going to get that book on self deception because we lie to ourselves 
all the time. And then we believe the lies that we tell ourselves, and then we get stuck, and we're in a bad. She's literally put her life, she's stuck. She's literally put her life on a hold. This young girl from high school, she's she's her life is like in a paral, paralyzed state, and she thinks it's worth it. So my next question to you is this. What is it about this James guy that she cannot turn away from? And hopefully something you say, it's a novel, but it may help somebody go free in real life. What is it about this guy, James, that she just, he's not the only guy on the planet. What is it about him that she just can't turn away from? Um, She likes the way James treat her. You know, like her mom was a single parent, so therefore, like a lot of things that she wanted, she couldn't get. You know how your friends, um, while you're in high school, you have the friends have so much, and you want it too, but you can't get it because your parent can't afford it. So that's what James came in. He he took the place of that. Like he was buying her nice clothes, nice shoes, jewelry. Um, James had a mouthful of goals. He was nice looking. Yeah, he, he was built, framed. Um, he had cars. So it's like. She felt for all that luxury stuff. And then as she got to know James, as they got older, that's when she fell in love with him, not with the material stuff. Oh, my goodness. So he sounds like a street hustler when I was doing my research for the, this today's interview. Right. And so I have to ask you, are James and Tequasia, are they from similar backgrounds? Some people, you know, you, you watch, you see it on TV One, you watch women who have gone to prison for a guy they wanted, guys who've gone to prison for something a woman asked them to do that they did, that that they spend the rest of their life in prison. These are just like the saddest stories. When you hear this happen to people, are James and Tequasia, are they from similar backgrounds? Is that why they're drawn together, or is she one of those young ladies who is drawn to that bad boy image? She's drawn to the bad boy energy. Her mom, she's a good woman. Um, she do all she can for her kids. It's just that she, by her, it's, it's a story took place in Miami. So, therefore, in Miami, you see the, the men that have the goals, the nice cars, the jewelry. Um, so, it's like she got drawn to that. Like, he was flirting with her a lot, and then she just fell for it because he bought her a gift, and she just fell for him. But, but the nice clothes... It was guys in um, high school that liked her, but she, I guess because James was doing more, she was more attractive to him. And if she cheats on him, I mean, he got he went into a rage on her. I mean, she went through abuse with him also in the, in the book. It, it's amazing how we get stuck on certain people. This is just a, a mystery to me. We get stuck on certain people. They don't treat us right, and somebody who treats us right, we find them boring. It's like, yes, going that's on? so true. What's going on now? We, the story takes place in Miami, Florida. What, what period? I'm, this, this is probably ahead of, ahead of your time. I remember Miami Vice on television. I think that came out in like the early '80s, and that was a hit. I used show. to love that. <laughs> is that is that the time period that the betrayal of a man takes place, or does it take place more like in the '90s or like in the, the 2000s? Early. The early nineties. Oh, okay. When okay, when, it, so when everybody had goals and wore the big chains and the box, the boom boxes on the shoulder, you know they had nice cars, painted cars with the rims. Yeah, it took place then. 
Okay, so so Miami, Florida in the 1990s, and those who do remember Miami Vice know how Miami, and it's still that way. It's just a it's a party town, and it's there's just a lot of things that go on in in Miami. I heard somebody tell me once that is not the city to raise your kids in. <laughs> I, it's just too much party, and it's too it's like New Orleans. There's too much going on, and so you need to move close to Miami, but not right in the, right in the city. Can you introduce us to some of the other main and minor characters in Betrayal of a Man? Some of the people, uh, Tabitha, who keep readers turning the pages. Okay, so the story is basically about Taquasia and James, but Taquasia had friends like um, her best friend was Tay, and she had Julia. And Jaleel was her ride or die friend. Like, she never told anything, and she always did the hookup connections. Tay was the little snitch. She goes and tells the mom everything. Um, Dress a character um, that was Jane's friend, anti-Quasia friend. So, therefore, that's how they end up meeting. Um, Jane, um, Dre came and got Taquasia out there and told him that his friend wanted to talk to her, but didn't tell her the age or whatever. And they end up talking that way and then after that it's like from that point James will pick Taquasia up and he didn't want her to ride the bus no more. He wanted to pick her up and take her to school to show her off and to show the the children at the school that, you know, she got a boyfriend now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like um it was it's that's just how the story went. But her two best friends okay. were Lila and Tay. Okay. And one of them you said it was a Jalila or Tay who told Taquasia's mother. She must have been concerned that, wait a minute, yes. this guy is, okay. Good for her. Because <laughs> a lot of times we don't want to tell our friends. You could even you could even see your friend's husband with another woman, and mm-hmm. or maybe your, husband, your friend's husband hit, that hits on you. And I had somebody tell me don't ever tell a woman because she said she did, and a woman will never believe you. She will never they believe, believe that husband. Correct. And and not only that, it could ruin your friendship. So, and I find that hard. I'm like, if I saw a woman's husband with another woman, in a, in a way, I would have no question that they was having an affair. Do I not tell her? And I see my friend regularly, and I just don't tell her that. And we need to talk. And somebody told me, don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. She won't yeah, believe you. Yeah, it's or like that with. It's like that with family too. Like, if you tell them, it's like they think you're the bad person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's actually why some kids who are abused don't tell, because the minute the minute oh. I, 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 we we have a light. I think we have an image in our minds of the way we want the world to be, and our lives, and families, and communities to be. When somebody comes mm-hmm. along and tells a truth that 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 strips our the 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 world we real the way we want to see it we get very mm-hmm. upset it very yes. upset so the, the thing is like hey, why don't you just stop and realize you don't control the world God does and number two uh, if 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 something's happening and you don't know it number one you don't control you have to accept reality you can't live in a bubble mm-hmm. and that's why a mm-hmm. lot of kids don't tell they will they say that on average if somebody's abused. They wait 21 years to tell it. No, I want to speak on that. I was nine years old. I was um, molested by my stepdad. 
um, I did. I was brave enough to tell my mom, but she didn't believe me. I got a whooping for it. Her friend whooped me because they thought I was lying in front of the man that tortured me and asked him that he tried. And he was like, oh, she lying. And it's like my mom had to pull a battle between she thinking she don't know if I'm lying or if he lying. And she's like, uh, I don't want to, like, break up this man if you're telling me a lie. She said, please tell me the truth. The whole time I was telling her the truth. So we moved to Cairo. We moved to Cairo, Georgia. She asked me it again because the man wanted to come move in with us. So I told her, I said, well, if he move in with us, I'm just going to run away. So she said, well, no, you can't come. So it took her, before she passed away in 2012, she asked me that one more time. She said, Tabitha, did he molest you for real? And I was like, Mom, you think I'll make it up and you think I'll be so mad over the years? It's like she told me she was sorry, and I told her I forgive her because, you know, it was in the past. But it took me to 2015 to forgive that man. When I started going to church, Mm -hmm. my pastor spoke on it. And he was like, um, a lot of y'all holding um, unforgiveness in your heart. You got to forgive that person and, go, and move on in order for you to make it. And it's like when he said that, it kind of touched me. So I ended up, um, I went to the altar and I prayed and I asked God just to let me let it go because it was in the past and I'm tired of it holding me back. And over the course of time as I dated, um, I was afraid to have men around my kids a little. You know, I kind of, like, was skeptical. I just watched mm-hmm. them to make sure that they were okay because I had girls and boys. And it's like it, 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 it took a toll on my life. And like I said, I just forgave him in 2015, but he's deceased now. And I'm like, well, if he's dead, why am I still holding this grudge? Right, right, So I had right. to, like, get that off. And I, I explained to my kids what's going on and to make sure, you know, they, they pay attention yeah, to things t- like that, too. Yes, and 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 it, it it happens more. I've heard one in three girls, the one in four girls, and the one in five boys. Boys to tell somebody, I, I gotta tell you, it happens to so many people. And the, and the thing Correct. you want to do for me as a parent, I'm going with my child. I'm going with my child. Yes. Tell me something. I I'm I, but I can see where the struggle with your mom. Because she's in a relationship with this person, and you're like, I don't want to believe that this could happen, and I not, it, it and I know this, and in my Angelo, similar thing happened to her. Uh, yeah. How do you, you like? You, so many people. Oh my goodness! But bravo to you for letting yourself heal through forgiveness. Not, not you could have just said no, it didn't happen, because you would think that'll make everybody like me better. So let me lie. But I really commend a little girl in you that stood stood her ground like, no, I'm not going to, even if you are mad at me, I'm not going to tell a lie. This did happen. So good good for you for that. Now, in 2012, you also sat down and wrote The Princess and the Tiger. That was your first children's book, and you know you were a substitute teacher, so you must have a, a, right. a heart for children. Why did you make the children. switch, Tabitha, from the betrayal of a man to writing children's books. Why did you decide to make that switch? Because it just, my mind was on something different. Um, basically, like, The Princess and the Tiger is based on me and my daughter. And I just, I, I love white tigers. It's not my daughter. I love the white tiger. So it's like I switched the word tiger from the T-I-G-R to T-Y-G-R to get more attention drawn to the book. And, um... It's about uh, the 
the family moved into a fantasy jungle, and the little girl was infatuated with white tigers, and she happened to see one. Um, she get lost from her mom as they walk up through the jungle, and then she finds a white tiger, and they become their best friends. And uh, from that point on, the jungle has a spell cast upon it by the old ugly witch named Bertha, and her mama was telling her the story. <laughs> and basically, um, all the all the people in Fantasy Jungle, they became animals, but the only person that can break the curse was the white tiger which was trapped into a body that, you know, he wasn't a cub. He actually wasn't a adult tiger, but because of the how they shrunk everybody back to um, little people, like little animals, that's why he was trapped until he found his true love. And once he found his true love, he licked her on the cheek and he transformed into a handsome prince. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's kind of like a little bit, not the Beauty and the Beast, but a little bit like that. And I'm listening to you tell the story. The overview of the princess and the tiger. And I'm thinking I gotta get that book for me. <laughs> it's like the princess and the, I, I I still enjoy children's books. I don't read them like buy them read them for myself. But if I'm in a bookstore or something and or I or buy one for a kid, I'll sit there and read that book myself. Children's books are still exciting to me. What age group are your children's books? written for it? Are they like for three to five? Not three, but I would say four to five or what age group are they Are they written for? Birth, from birth to um, elementary, like fifth grade. Oh, okay. And I've okay. read it like well, at different schools I've worked at for Southern. I um, read my books to them and they enjoyed it. I asked them for their opinions and I just love, I love kids. I mean, if I can help them and if I have the money, I give it to them. If, I, if they're hungry, whatever they need, if I got it, they can have it. That's just how my heart okay. is. And they, they, yeah. they really are future. We, we often think we can't make an impact until we become adults. We impact. I don't think the, the, a parent is the most powerful person on the planet than me. Can you tell yes. us about? Can you tell us about the inspiration? So you wrote the. You start off with the betrayal man, then you go into children's books, The Princess and the Tiger, and it sounds like such a fascinating story. And then you go into a book series. So can you tell us about the inspiration behind The Five Beautiful Angels, and where did that title come from? What's the inspiration behind the series, and where did you get the title for The Five Beautiful Angels? Okay, The Five Beautiful Angels is based upon my kids and how we role play and I teach them morals and, you know, how to respect each other's feelings. Um, we, inside of the book, what I do is um, have each day, one, each one of the kids, they do, like, okay, like, except this is a career day. Okay, so I ask, um, well, which one of y'all want to, what, what you want to dress up as? And then they tell me, so we, everybody in the house has to dress up as that one character. If it's a football player or a basketball player or a cheerleader, whatever it is, um, you know, we, we, we role-played it just to, you know, get a feel of what they want to do in life and just to encourage them, you know, stuff like that. It's just based on role-playing and respecting each other's feelings and pushing them to the next level to, so they can try to accomplish their goals. So are these books, The Five Beautiful Angels, um, are these – a you know, you said you, you sit down and you talk about what do you want to be, what do you want to do, so your kids can accomplish their goals. And I think that's great. Are these educational books, to some extent, 
where they're the types of books where you not only entertain, but you also teach children how to do things like count and read? Or is it a book where it's almost like a book where the child, it's interactive. You you ask them questions throughout this story, like what do you want to be when you grow up? Or do you also share stories of a, a, a little kid who might grow up and maybe they start off with their own uh, little, I don't know, lemonade stand. Uh, they might start a newspaper or a newsletter on their own. Uh, is it educational, teaching them how to read and write? Or do you, like, spotlight a different kid in the book, in, the book, in each series? No, I don't spotlight. Uh, well, on my on the Little Green Apple, I spotlight a kid. But on the Five Beautiful Angels, no, it's just educational, and it, it teaches them how to role play and, do, you know, try to become things that they want to be in life besides uh, following the next person's dream. You know, do follow your dream. That's how you make it. Yes. Now, how soon, Tabitha, after publishing the last book in the Five Beautiful Angels book series, how soon afterwards? It seems like you are a very prolific writer. Like you are, it sounds like you're always working on a story. But how soon after you finished the Five Beautiful Angels, that last book in the series, did you start creating the story jumper books? I did that um, in 2015. The story jumper books. Um, I went through a, just trying a different company and seeing like a different avenue because I, I wanted my kids, like the kids and parents to be able to read some of the stories. But through certain book companies, they don't, they only give you maybe a first page to describe it, put it on Amazon. But with Story Jumper, you can go and read the books for free. Um, you know, if you want to order a hard copy or a soft copy, you can do that also. You want to order how many copies, you can do that too. But with um, the, the book series that I have with American Starbucks, it's like only certain things that in the book prices, you know, you can kind of, with Store Jumper is a little cheaper. You know, you can set your own book prices. And with American Starbucks, you know, you have to um, go by their prices or you have to pay to drop the prices down. So I was trying to accommodate everybody. Okay. With now, Story on Jumper, the book. I have. Go ahead. No, no, no. You said we're saying Story Jumper, you have. I have the um, Tabitha's letter M that's like teaching the kids um, the consonant sound of the letter M, pictures to show the letter M, uh, things like that inside of the book. And I have Santa's favorite day in this book showing that Santa's trying to get all the toys out to the kids before, you know, before um, Christmas Day, before they wake up in the morning. So he had to ride on a train, the bike, you know, he had a lot of things to do to try to get the, the toys out to the children. And then I have uh, Reginald's Christmas with uh, Story Jumper. It's about a, a man that loves his community, so the community rewards him back on that Christmas instead of him doing it. He did a lot for them, but they still rewarded him back, and he was he was happy about it. And I have oh. Richard's Favorite Pet. I have that one, and that's about... A man that loves his pets. <laughs> now, how how long does it take you? I've, I've heard people say, I think the shorter the piece, the tougher it is to write. I didn't think that when I was first starting out as a writer, and I would hear that, and I said, that don't make no sense. A novel would take be harder. I think a novel, particularly a longer novel, is 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 easier. In, in a lot of respects than writing a short story because you have a you have a tight 
amount of space to really engage your reader emotionally and tell this story. And a poem is like, oh, my God, it's, it, I really admire poets. I know you said you got started with poetry. How tough, how different either you find it easier, uh, more rewarding, or ch- more challenging is it to write a children's book? Because you've got to really engage a child's curiosity to write. How much different and or challenging is it? or rewarding to write a children's book versus an adult book? Okay, so a children's book can take between two and four hours. Um, you just have to come up with the pictures and have the pictures drawn. That was like my first thing to find a, someone to do my graphics for the pictures. Um, with um, with the novel, it, take, it takes like a whole month for me. I don't know, some people, may it may be shorter or it may be longer. But it did, for the first book, it took me a month, and I got that story out. Now, children's books, you, you can be a real creative. You can get your story. You can get the story, like I said, between two and four hours. It's not that hard. Um, the novel, you just got to sit and think, and you got to do a lot of editing and make sure the story correct and put important pieces in and leave some pieces out. It's like it's much Time performing. Okay. Now you are, and then you have five kids. So you, and then with your substitute teaching, so you have a kids. You can get some direct feedback from kids themselves, rather than guessing if you're on the right track with a children's book. But you, you are very, very busy, Tabitha. In addition to being a mom to five kids, you've, you've got your stories you've written. And as I said in the intro, and I definitely want to talk about this as we come down to like the last ten minutes in today's uh, interview, but. I had to talk about this. What was the process like for you starting Chocolate Candy Promotion Corp? What was what was that like? And what inspired you to start it? Because I've been through, I've been a single parent. I've been through verbal abuse. I've been through having, a, I, was, I had my first kid when I was 18, so the teenage, the teenage parenting better be real good because you need counseling on all that. Um, like I've been in a relationship for 21 years off and on and I finally gave up that relationship because it, it started draining me where I couldn't focus on what I needed to do and actually I just got rid of that relationship last year it was like you love this person but it's like you you dare and you're trying to show how much you love them but they are, they are very unappreciative so it's like not only women go through it men go through it too I've seen it but it's just the point of Knowing how to get out of it, and having that having someone there to listen and, and coach you, that that's very important because I had two friends to help me through it. Like my friend went through it first, and I was there for her. And then it's like I ended up going through it. I'm like, well, wow, you know, is <laughs> that's what made me say, okay, well, let me reach out to other people. And it's like I didn't try to just go with women. Like I said, um, I said men go through it too. So I said domestic parents, you know, like. And single parents, you know, I want to put both of them in and not just one because everybody needs coaching. Everybody needs guidance. And with single parents, we don't have as much help. It's like we doing it by ourselves. We the mom, we the dad. We got to take the kids to practice, school, make sure they eat. Then you got to go to work and you got to come back. It's like so stressful. But you mm-hmm. can manage it and you can do it. 
And it was a time when I was going to college, and I had three kids. That's why I was trying to inspire my daughter. She's 18. Oh, my God. She's like, Mama, how do you do that? She's like, you don't ever get tired. And when I said, my baby, she gets tired. And I'd be like, you got to keep pushing. I said, you got to keep pushing. Because if I can do it, and I had three of y'all at that one time, you can do it too. And I made sure I go to class every day because that's how I wanted to. I really wanted to finish school, you know. And I have to keep pushing her. And I have a 20-year-old son. I have to push him. I push him too. <laughs> You you should you could be a speaker at uh, certain uh, organizations, churches, because you know we can read the, we read the scriptures, we pray, we can read a book, but it's when you see somebody live and in person who did it that you really have yes. evidence that you really yes. have evidence that it can be done, especially when a person doesn't look beat down. Some people have raised their kids and done a lot, but they look really tore up. But when the the person's still doing a lot of things in their life and they don't look like it just destroyed them, that's when people in a situation can say, you know what, I can do this. I can I can get through this. Back to that self deception. There's there's a voice in almost all our heads that tells us you can't do it. You're gonna fail. When you have people in front of you who've done it, you can you can turn to them. You can think about them. You can look to them and know. If they did it, I can do it. I can get. I can get through this. So you could be, yes, uh, an inspiration to do public speaking and speak to groups to let people who are now where you were and tell them this is what I did. These are mistakes I made, and look at look. I kept going, and this is look at me now. Uh, yeah, you have to some smile on the bird, Because some people on the verge of quitting even now. They're just hanging on by a thread. Now, how did how did yeah. you build? How did you build your team, Tabitha, for Chocolate Candy Promotion Corp? And can you tell us about some of the specific services that are offered through Chocolate Candy Promotion Corp? Okay, so I built my team. Um, I have two of my classmates from Miami and my daughter. Um, you know, we go out in the community and we speak to people, we pray for people. Um, I I've been ripped off before, like, doing, trying to get it started, but God will put you in the right place with the right people at the right time. So um, I don't have all the information with me for, um, like, the referrals and all that, but, you know, just reach out to, like, the help agencies because I'm at a different location right now. But reach out to different um, help agencies and stuff and, you can get the help that you need. If you don't, if you kind of like shy and don't want people to know your business, sometimes you have to reach out to people and just let them know, you know, I'm going through this. I don't know how to get out of this situation. Um, I'm stressed out. You know, everything is not bad. Everybody's not going to talk about you. You know, you just you just have to hold your head up and be brave and just face it, you know. Don't let nobody tear I, I, you I down will. because – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You said don't let nobody oh, tear you down. Say, don't let, yeah, don't let nobody tear you down. Um, remember you got good in you. Everyone has good inside of them. No matter what that may yes. tell you or whoever it is, you know you have good in you. God did not create you for for the, to be having bad in you. You know, it's like just stay focused and stay positive. Listen to the motivational uh, speakers on YouTube. That's what I did, too. Um, I'm a motiv- I can be a motivational speaker, but... Um, what lifted me up was listening to, um, I think her name is Tiffany. Um, I can't think of her name right now. Her name is Tiffany. Um, okay. 
she speaks. She's a minister too, and they having like a a, confer- a millionaire conference in Chicago on the twenty seventh through the thirtieth. I wanted to go to that, but I don't know if I'm gonna make it or not because um, I have to go to the Wendy Williams show on January thirty first. So okay, just stay focused. Don't don't lose your dreams. Believe in what you've been believing in. Don't let nobody discourage you. And that's what I have to say. Yeah. And then, and that's good advice when it comes to also uh, reaching out to people. If you are going through domestic violence, we've had people on off the shelf who've gone through that, and they've written books. Um, just be careful who you tell. I would tell uh, an authority if you feel like don't go back and tell us. You know, you can tell the authorities. Hopefully, somebody experienced. Don't go back to my spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or wife and knocking on the door saying that you hit them because you're just going to make it worse for me. You need to work right. with somebody where you you know they're experienced in it, um, and so you can be, you can be safe. But it is better to tell and deal with uh, somebody, a school teacher, the book a child called it. He told a school teacher he was being extremely abused, and they said it was one of the worst abusive cases in the state of California. He finally told a teacher you to tell somebody and tell them you know. They, you got to handle this right, or you could be put my life in danger. So it's not for you just Correct. to go tell everybody else. You got to handle it. You got to handle it the right way. But it's, if you don't tell, it's just probably gonna keep keep happening and keep happening. Even if you're praying, you, yeah, you you need to go t- tell somebody. So you said you were working on a new book. We only have like three minutes left. You said you were working on a new book, Tabitha. Can you t- give us a glimpse into what you're working on and when it might be? Uh, on the market. Okay, it's a sequel to the betrayal of a man, but it's called Trap Between the Two of Them. It's where oh. Taquasia this time she gets out. Like um, James is, he meets um, and Taquasia together. Taquasia end up getting pregnant from this other guy, and it's like a, a love scandal. Um, the dude ain't gonna be Kenny. Kenny's gonna have a girlfriend that he's been with for twenty something years. But he steps out and tries something new and end up getting Taquasia pregnant. And Taquasia leaves James, finally. And now is the new girl. Her name's Chelsea. She's going through it. So she's going to meet James at the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, my but goodness. But she's not going to know that's oh Taquasia's boyfriend. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's gonna be, she's going to be trapped between the two of them, Kenny and James. So she, she'll have to figure that out. In fact, you know, okay. She'll figure it out, who she's going to be with. Now, where can off-the-shelf like listeners... Chelsea have kids involved. Oh, yes. Yes. Because they come first. Now, where can yes. off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your books, Tabitha? Okay, I have my own website, which is www.tabithatheauthor.com. And if you want to read some of my poems, um, they're on poetrystoop.com or, um, yeah, forward slash Tabitha Mathis. Okay, we have we have been blessed to have Tabitha Mathis here with us on Off the Shelf this morning. She is her first novel was The Betrayal of a Man. She's working on the sequel now. She's also written several children's books, including The Princess and the Tiger, T Y G E R, and the Five Beautiful Angels uh book series. And she also has launched the Chocolate Candy Promotion Corp. And they do a lot of good work, uh, including offering workshops and seminars that talk and address real-life issues like domestic violence, bullying, teenage parenting, and single parenting. And Tabitha 
is truly an inspiration. She's online at TabithaTheAuthor.com, T-A-B-I-T-H-A, T-H-E-A-U-T-H-O-R. We thank her for being here with us here on Off the Shelf today. And I thank all of our listeners on Off the Shelf. If you came in middle or at the end of the interview, once it finishes streaming, it will be up in the archives and you can listen to it as many times as you like. And I encourage you to share share today's show. You don't know who's going to be blessed. Tabitha shared a lot of things that when I was doing research I had no idea about uh the, the the advice she gave on writer's block and then some of her personal life experiences that just might help set somebody free. So please share uh, today's interview with uh, people that you know and especially somebody you know that might be blessed from something that was shared here today during Off the Shelf. And I encourage you to get a copy of The Betrayal of the Man, The Princess and the Tiger, and, and Tabitha's other works, which you can find at her website. Please come back next Saturday. Remember, just put it on your calendar, Saturdays, 11 a.m., Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time, just an hour out of your day. If you put it on on the Internet, turn the volume on. You could be washing dishes. You could be getting your breakfast ready. You could be doing laundry, even as you enjoy Off the Shelf. Again, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m., New York City Time. Remember, you are awesome. You are incredible. You are amazing. Go out and create an incredible day for yourself. Tabitha, I'll shoot you an email as soon as the show finishes streaming. Bye for now. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.